Oh, welcome everyone. Uh, this is our second episode of Hacker Tribe, where we interview founders who are hacking their hacking their way around the world's problems. Uh, today with us is Jason. Uh, Jason, we are glad to have you. How's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. We're super excited to have you. So, Jason, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, your startup, what are you guys called and what is it that you guys do? Yeah, so uh, I'm Jason Item. Our startup is uh, called General Commission. So we are a, a seed stage company. Uh, we were founded in 2020, uh, actually right before COVID, which was an interesting time to get started. Uh, but we are, are very focused on um, the broad topic of data, right? Uh, and I think that's a hot topic lately, but more specifically, um, you know, we're, we're working really to, our mission statement is to simplify access to and, and consumption of, of valuable data. Um, and we see an opportunity specifically around how organizations, so being a B2B focused company, how organizations are leveraging uh, external publicly available data to help augment and improve their decision-making. Okay. Um, how do you come to the, how do you come to this idea? Why, why did you start? What, what happened? Yeah. So, uh, we, we actually, my business partner, uh, a guy by the name of Ryan Weaver, um, he has a CEO of a company out of Kansas city called Torch AI, and they have spent a lot of time years and years, um, since they got started trying to, um, you know, make better use of, of data internally. They stood up a bunch of teams. They invested a bunch of money. Um, and it was really difficult for them to, to both manage their, their mission and their product focus around uh, providing modular AI and, and machine learning technology and software, uh, and also being able to aggregate and consume data from all of these different sources to help inform um, some of the analyses that they were, they were doing. Uh, and so him and I got together, um, you know, probably at, towards the end of 2019 um, and saw an opportunity in the market to apply sort of that same philosophy of you know how can we work with with mid-sized organizations and and help them really expand their aperture for how they're using data um, through a more automated uh, AI-enabled data pipeline where we're able to to rapidly pull in and integrate all of these disparate data sources to help you know facilitate uh, decision making around things like fraud detection and um, due diligence and, and risk mitigation and those kind of use kinds of use cases at these at these companies. Uh, so it really it really spawned from a real life challenge that um, you know one of our now partners has has gone through in the past and we've been able to kind of replicate and apply to uh, many organizations. Okay, so see that that is definitely a problem that almost anyone who has ever dealt with any any sort of like large data store. I that's I'm familiar with it. That's that's what I do. I'm an AI data guy. Uh, but like because the, it's almost always a pain in the ass, right? Having to pull different data sources and then all of them are always in in some different format, and then the data. Um, just the data sanity of it, right? It's just data is always so dirty, right? But you're usually just used to certain type of dirt from one data set. And then you have, then you pull in another data set to complement the one you have. And it's a completely different mess when you already got used to one mess. So that's right. horrible, right? So, um, so that, that's why a lot of startups are popping up, right? Around synthetic data or like, or data leveling, right? Like scale AI, they are, yeah like four and a half billion dollars by now. Right. So 
So how do you fit into that ecosystem, right? Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of data companies out there today. Um, and, and so when we, you know, we did some pretty significant market research into, you know, how we start to narrow our focus and find our niche in this. Um, I don't, I don't want to say the market's oversaturated, but it, it's, it's definitely a hot topic. And a lot of companies are starting to, to realize the need and, and demand for this type of service. Um, and so, you know, if you, you know, take a step back, look back at, you know, the last five to 10 years, um, a lot of software companies, a lot of uh, startups, a lot of organizations have spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out how do we manage all of this structured and unstructured data within our, our own four walls, within our organization, right? So, you know, you've got, you've got companies like Snowflake, like Palantir that have been around and have proven, uh, you know, through very successful business models, how, how these large companies can, can kind of come in and, and make better use of their own data. Um, and so we use that basically as, you know, to help inform and help influence our business model. Because if you look at where the market's going, um, I think by 2025, from the period of 2017 to 2025, data availability is expected expected to grow by 10 times. Uh, the the kinds of sizes of organizations, kinds of organizations that are going to be relying upon data in the next five to 10 years, um, it's gonna you're going to start to see a, a greater shift from these these large enterprise companies that have the resources, that have the the investment to to be able to support sort of internal uh, solutions. And you're going to start to see that shift towards a more decentralized model. Uh, data is going to, the availability is going to expand to, to smaller organizations, small to mid-sized companies who, um, you know, are going to have that ability because of the growing availability uh, to uh, in data itself, in that, in that global data ecosystem, uh, to, to kind of lean on and, and use <clears throat> uh, software solutions to help augment and enhance how they're doing, whether it's business operations, uh, applying data feeds to their own internal AI and, and analytics platforms because there it, there is a lot of bias around that at times, and you need to make sure that you know when you get when you start to feed and inform those systems that the data from the start from at ingest is is uh, it, you know accurate or at least what you think is accurate, right? Um, and so you're going to start to see that shift away from large companies towards towards mid-sized smaller companies, and that's where we really see an opportunity there um, to kind of produce a more modular, more scalable type of, of software solution that, uh, you know, leans on AI to, to basically more rapidly integrate and, and pull data from all of these different sources as they start to, uh, as they start to pop up as the data uh, market grows and, and you'll still continue to see uh, as the availability expands, the, the number of sources that have unstructured data, that have data coming from a ton of different places, still gonna require a lot of synthesis, right? Um, and so being able to identify and automate that process and workflow for organizations that need smaller organizations that need to rely on that kind of, uh, insight. It's, there is definitely a market need for this because the, I can, I can clearly see them, the market need for this because most companies that can actually, uh, that are data driven organizations are mostly large orgs because they can't support or they can't pay for extremely expensive a custom data solutions, right? Like Snowflake, which right. Snowflake is great if you have a billion dollars sitting on your bank account um, on assets. But the there's been quite a clear shift towards um, smaller, mid-sized to small businesses. And the the problem with this is they cannot, as you said, you cannot create this. But and and even being an opportunity, it's like in fintech, right? Mm -hmm. Fintech is pretty much a data throw of um, of 
unstructured and structured data from different sources. And not only that, dealing with the compliance of these data sources, it's not like you can just keep it all in one central data store and like keep it to like add your whims of however you like and convenient to you. It's that feels impossible, right? right. Uh, if you want to say compliant. And also in medical field, right? Just HIPAA laws will make your life impossible unless you have a solution which on, that was previously only available to these uh, extremely large codes. Um, it, there's a clear need for it. Yeah, it, and it's, it is interesting too, because you know, it, it, I, I keep going back to, to the growing volume, the growing uh, availability of data and, and sort of the trend that we're gonna see, uh, you know, we've seen over the last several years and we will continue to see going forward. Um, I think uh, the company Matillion did a, a really interesting study. They said that, you know, over 400 data sources on average that, you know, these, these organizations were drawing from, uh, maxing out at over a thousand different data sources, right? And so that number is going to continue to increase. Um, and to, to really be proactive in how, um, you know, organizations and leadership is are, are responding to the market, um, they're going to need to get ahead of, of being able to understand, you know, what's coming and to do that, they're going to need the latest data. Um, and, and they're going to be able to need to be able to analyze that information as quickly as possible. And that means pulling insights and drawing insights from a ton of different sources. And I think that the key value prop here is modular. Exactly. Yep. Because I see these unexpected data sources come in the, need for something that is modular, it is necessary because then it doesn't become a general purpose solution. It has to be, it's just simply not scalable unless you have a dedicated team. And which I guess is where you come in. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And um, you know, what we what we are working towards and what we want to really create and, and empower organizations with is something that, you know, they can they can be empowered with, they can control and, and kind of own, right? And so we don't have the answer to every single data model that you know, company A, company B, and company C is going to need, but you know, we can we can kind of work with them on creating and understanding specific use cases, tailoring the model, and then and then providing them with the tools to to very easily and efficiently go in and, and adapt, uh, you know, that data model to their specific environment. Yeah, and even you don't even need to cater to everyone's needs all the time, right? If, even if you can just modularize 60 to 70% of their data needs, then that's already a huge efficiency that you're introducing and it can justify it like almost any price that you put out there, right? Which right. makes this truly scalable, right? This is truly scalable because then your TAM grows almost directly with the rate at which data is expanded. It, well, it, it grows directly, right? But, maybe not in a one-to-one -one ratio, given how much cheaper it is to process a gigabyte of data per dollar, mm -hmm. right? But still, this is it's still increasing at an exponential rate. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, you know, it, it, we, I can't tell you how many data scientists and developers and business analysts that we've talked to that, you know, they're, they're telling us they spend 90% of their time focused on a lot of these mundane data engineering activities, you know, a lot of the pre-processing, identifying the correct source, validating if it's accurate yeah. before they can even focus on, you know, building out the product that they're tasked with or build, focused on, you know, any analysis or, or sort of mission oriented decisions. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, we view almost any progress, even if it's incremental and, and small to start, you know, 10, 20, 30%, that will start to, to expand. Um, over time and, and, and that 10%, you know, after a year of, of kind of understanding, 
the value that this technology can bring to market, um, you know, you're going to be spending a lot more time focused on that mission, on your product, <laughs> on your applications. Exactly. It, because it's the problem here doesn't seem like you need to solve all data solutions. You need to solve the repetitive ones, right? Which it doesn't need, it only has to be a percentage. The, the thing is that business analysts, developers, data scientists, AI scientists, anyone, right? The last thing they want to do is wrangle, oh crap, this is where I, this is a CSV, that over there is a TSB, this is on structured data, this is just a glob data set, that's on an S3 on AWS. Right, right. you just don't care about it. You just wanna get your data and start working with it. Like um, here, but my clear, my big question here is, what is your acquisition strategy, right? Because people tend to be very privy and just in general, very scared about handing off their, their data to anyone, just giving access at all, even if it's just read access. So how do you plan on acquiring people given that pro that problem? It's a, it's a great question. So um, right now we're, we're working towards a couple of things. So um, first off, any data that, you know, we're taking in from the customer environment, it's not, it, we do not own any of that information. It's all still owned and controlled and, and manipulated by the customer. Um, you know, we, we purely provide the tools and, and uh, the ecosystem to, to help manage that information, right? Um, we do uh, collect publicly available data feeds from you know places like government data databases, uh, websites, online databases, and, and aggregate and integrate all of that, um, and then provide that as you know if it if it is a value and if it does help kind of um, provide more of an out of the box solution to customers. Um, that is another offering that we do have, um, and in that case, you know it's it's really you know unfettered access to that information for the customer to do with uh, with it what they choose. Um, and then the other piece of that is uh, we've we've carefully selected a couple strategic go-to-market partners um, that have been around for for a while that have uh, a lot of the really enhanced uh, security protocols in place. Um, so, for example, you know we are one of our target uh, audiences is the government, right? And so you have a lot of very strict. Um, security procedures and protocols that need to be in place to, to kind of work within that type of environment within the DOD or the Intel community, for example, right? Um, and so that's where, while we're still building out a lot of our internal security protocols and, and, and systems, um, you know, we're working with them to kind of help fulfill some of the requirements as well on that, uh, that help meet the, the government's needs in terms of, you know, how we're securing a lot of that data in this example. Okay, that seems, um... So, what is your prim uh, what is your primary customer, right? Who is your who do you want to be customer number one on the line to get uh, commission? Yeah. So right now we are. Um, I would I would in terms of the industry, um, we're focused on three primary industries right now. Um, one is financial services. Uh, so like the investment community, the big banks doing due diligence and fraud detection and those types of things. Uh, the second would be government. Um, and, and some use cases around that would be, you know, like personnel vetting or entity vetting, uh, risk mitigation. So a lot of these, these government agencies, uh, especially in the DOD and the Intel community, um, are interested in understanding uh, behavior of, of various companies that they might work with, right? So they can start to understand potential, potential threats or influences that, that, might, uh, that might impact a relationship or might might uh, impose some sort of risk with that relationship. Um, so, so financial services, the government, and then the third is healthcare as well. 
Um, so one of the other partners that we're working with right now, um, we're, we're on an engagement with them looking at um, basically relationship intelligence and, and sales enablement. Um, so they are focused on basically expediting the process around uh, getting a, a product, a medical device uh, to, to market. So right now there's about seven to nine customer touch points just to get the, the device from the manufacturer over to, to uh, a healthcare facility. And so we're working with them, basically taking data to, to understand, you know, how do we how do we compress that that cycle, uh, the sales cycle for them, and understand, you know, who the specific target buyers are and what they might be interested in. Um, and so specifically within those three industries, um, you know, we're we're focused. Uh, we see an opportunity around, you know, mid-sized companies. Um, so those with less than, you know, three to five hundred employees. Um, you know, that's everyone from AI to analytics companies that need data to, to help, um, you know, uh, inform their, their applications. Um, that might be, we're talking uh, right now, we're, we're uh, in early conversations with a, a consulting firm who is looking actually to build out an internal due diligence platform to help kind of bolster some of their advisory services, right? But looking at data on, on companies and people and related events and, and understanding a behavioral uh, network within that that type of ecosystem. Um, it seems like you're you're trying to target three very slow moving industries, right? <laughs> Financial services, government, yep. and healthcare. Those are slow moving giants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, don't you don't you see that as a potential um, just obstacle in order to scale and grow? Um, you know, I. I think for us, it's actually been um, pretty pretty successful, and you know we're optimistic about where it's going. It part of the part of the reason that we started off with those industries um, is existing relationships that we've had, um, okay. kind of feedback that we were gathering from those customers, and, and understanding that there was a there is a gap in terms of of that type of of need in that market. Um, and so it's you know it seemed to work out well for us. It's that there are industries that touch everything every day right? um, and, and they constantly need uh, to be able to use data to help inform their operations, their decisions, all of that. Right. So it's, it's not going away. It's, it's stable and it's, it's consistent. Um, that said, you know, there are certainly applications like every, every industry, for example, needs data to, to yeah. operate. Right? Um, so as we start to scale our operations um, you know, we are, are certainly going to be looking to expand horizontally horizontally and vertically in in those industries. Well, I see. So a big factor that I see here is, um, so you're playing the, the ultra long game, right? And also you're leveraging personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you that um, uh, these are industries that are not going nowhere, right? No one's going to live without financial services, healthcare, and government. Like you're going to have to take down like three foundations of society and the economy, right? Yep. Uh, it still seems like a fairly big obstacle, right? These people tend to be super picky and they can, they can easily um, derail like your main product uh, vision. So on that is like, what is your product vision? Especially most, most importantly now on the short term, if I were a developer or a business analyst that wanted to get your product today, what would that look like today? And how would that look like five years from now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say the, the existing conversations and engagements that we have are, you know, derailing the, the longer term product vision that we're working towards. Um, 
you know, that's, that's part of, of the process that we're taking in terms of constantly talking to people in the market, collecting feedback, adapting and evolving uh, our product in, in sort of our longer term goals, right? And we're not, you know, that's not to say we're, we're deviating it, deviating away from that, you know, completely, but, but I think that that's, that's part of the whole, the whole journey as a startup is, is starting to understand uh, customer needs and, and kind of collect feedback from them along the way. Um, whether, whether that's, that's positive feedback or negative feedback, it's all extremely helpful. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been extremely valuable, um, up to this point. Uh, and then in terms of your second question around, you know, what is it, what is a, a customer onboarding process look like for us right now? Um, so, so we currently offer, um, we have two, two primary products and then we, uh, have a team that has been in data engineering and, and software development for, um, everybody's got, you know, at least 10 to 20 years of experience. So um, we do, we do provide, you know, professional services support and consultations as well. Um, but in terms of the two product offerings that we're, that we have right now, um, one I had mentioned earlier, so it's uh, basically a, a structured unified data feed um, that aggregates and, and uh, synthesizes information on institutions, which are basically companies or organizations, uh, people, and professional affiliations and then uh, related events, right? So news events, political events, those types of things. Um, and so what that does is offer organizations who, you know, kind of going back to the financial services use case, for example, say that they're doing uh, due diligence on some of their investments. They want to know um, what companies, what people and, and sort of associated events might impact or might influence a, an investment decision, right? Um, and, and a lot of the times they don't always have access to that data or they only need the data for a week or two to, to actually inform that decision. And so it's not worth, uh, you know, doing the actual integra API integrations and, and analysis right. that, that takes months to actually do, right? Um, so that's, that's sort of one side of the things. It's, it's providing access, API access to, uh, you know, highly valuable data feeds on those, those three entities. Um, the other piece, which is in a private beta for us right now, is um, you know what we're calling a, a rapid data fusion application. And so this is really where you know I touched on a little bit earlier, where we're we're um, building the tools to really empower organizations, data scientists, developers, to uh, go into our platform and identify uh, virtually any data source. So whether that's you know unstructured PDF document, a, a web uh, a web page. Um, a text file, uh, an API, whether that's like a connector to a database that they have or whether they have a subscription to a commercial or third party license, right? Um, being able to take that information, identify your series of, of inputs uh, in, in data sources that you want to be able to consume, but they're in so many different places that you have trouble, uh, you know, actually accessing that and integrating that information. Uh, and then producing a, a unified schema or, or output uh, based on, on those desired inputs, right? Um, and so what that looks like is, is you know, the, the user receives uh, access to an API key and, and their, their sort of customized API. They get to define a, a target schema based on their various inputs. And so uh, a lot of it is an abstraction of the data, right? So many times that, you know, if you've got all those different data sources or data providers, you don't need every single field or attribute that's included in those, um, but you want a very specific uh, set of fields or subset of fields, and, and you want to be able to abstract that and understand how they uh, they map to one another. Um, and so that's you know that's that's the workflow that we're working towards is you know being able to to open that up to to the public 
hopefully here soon, and um, really allow them to, to make better use of their own data sources. Okay. Um, do you think, so how do both of your products address the common need, right? Within your three target industries, right? Um, there, because you could very easily just spin out a product for each industry and then just call it a day. Right, but right. it seems like you're going for a, you're going for a common problem that these products can address across all industry. What is that one specific problem? Yeah, really, it's uh, if if I were to summarize it in two words, I would just say data engineering, right? And that's that's obviously a very broad problem, yeah. um, but it, it's we're we're targeting and part of the reason we're targeting midsize uh, companies or smaller to midsize companies is um, you know the, the the folks that we're talking with. Have, have smaller development teams, don't have a ton of data scientists or, or no data scientists at all, right? Um, or if they do have data scientists that are working on the data engineering and development and integrations themselves as opposed to the analysis. And so, you know, we see an opportunity to, to um, kind of embed ourselves within these organizations that, um, you know, have, have smaller development teams, don't, have, don't necessarily have data scientists, or if they do, you know, want them to focus on the actual analysis and output of what that data means, um, and and you know do so in a way where we're not necessarily trying to overtake or remove their responsibilities, but we're trying to pivot, um, you know, what they're focused on towards something that's more productive that that is really in line with the mission of that company, right? Um, it's it's really a lot of the the mundane, the tedious, repetitive tasks that we're uh, automating as opposed to the actual job of the developer himself or herself. The creative part exactly. of data engineering is creative more than people would usually assume. <laughs> exactly. <Yep. laughs> so uh, Jason, we're almost out of time, but I would like to close this up with one, what can we expect from you in the next one or two months? And how can we keep up with what you're building? Uh, can, can we follow you anywhere or check out anything to kind of keep track along your journey? Yeah, um, so, you know, I'm really excited about the next couple months for us. We're, um, you know, we're working on a couple new opportunities right now um, with some companies that uh, you guys will be hearing about here shortly. Um, and then if you do want to follow along on our journey, please feel free to visit our website. Um, it's www.generalcommission.com. Um, and then from there, there'll be a, a page that you can go to and, and sign up for our newsletter. Um, in addition, we uh, please feel free to follow us along tw uh, on Twitter. At uh, Gen Commission is our is our handle. Um, so we'll be we'll be pumping out some some pretty exciting news uh, over the next several months, and, and look forward to having you follow us. Oh, beautiful, Jason! I'm glad to have you on the podcast. And everyone, uh, this is our, this was our episode of Hacker Tribe. We're glad to join and. We're all rooting for you, Jason, and hoping you can keep getting scouted by more cool people. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate the time. It's a pleasure.